the bridegroom was delayed. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Don't be frightened. I'm coming out to make sure you're still awake. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, last week was a great feast. Last Sunday was a great feast. Amen. The feast of... of what was the feast last week? What was our feast day? Oh, praise the Lord. Thanks for coming, brother. You must have been here last week. Oh, man, where were you all? We know it's a great feast. It's a feast of victory, right? Because Jesus Christ gives us the victory. Amen. And we were celebrating the victory that Jesus has had through all his saints. And the victory that he has through his saints today. Who are his saints today? We are. Praise the Lord. So I hope that you celebrated that feast and, of course, had some chocolate. There's no feast without chocolate. Amen. And, of course, All Saints Day is the most important feast of the year, more or less, because we buy and consume more chocolate than any other day. Amen? And especially thereafter when the price goes down and things like that. It's really good to get the stock of chocolate up. Praise the Lord. But I have not come to talk about chocolate or feasting because in our lectionary we quickly switch from the victory that we have in Jesus to the coming day of the Lord. And that's what Amos is focusing on, and that's what Jesus is focusing on today as he is in the temple and has come to his temple. Jesus has come to Israel. God is in his temple, but Israel does not recognize it. So Jesus has come in judgment. He has overturned the tables of the tax collectors and other vendors that are in the temple area. He has cursed the fig tree, which is a sign to Israel. And so he stands in the temple today giving you and I a warning. The warning is in this allegory of the five wise and five foolish virgins that are awaiting the bridegroom. Who is the bridegroom? Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. It is Jesus who is the bridegroom. The bridegroom is standing right there with them. They're not recognizing the reality of the situation. So Jesus has warnings for us about the impending judgment upon us. 
Jesus is not interested in hypocritical Christians. When the cry goes out, here's the bridegroom, how will we go out to greet the bridegroom? Will our lamps be trimmed and will we have extra oil? What is Matthew talking about? I think we need to go back to Matthew chapter 7, which is at the end of the sermon that Jesus gives, chapter 5 through 7 of Matthew, the first great group of teaching, because he ends those lovely words, blessed are the peacemakers, right? Blessed are all these people who do the will of the Father. But he ends the sermon with the fall of the house that is built on the sand. At the end of chapter 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says there's two ways, a narrow way and a broad way, a broad way that leads to destruction. He says that there are two trees. There are two trees. One that shows forth good fruit and one that has no fruit. Which way will we choose? What type of tree are we? He also talks about the two dudes. I'm not going to read that part. I'm not going to talk about that part now. I'll let you check it out this week, chapter 7 at the end of Matthew. But then he talks about the two houses. You'll remember that because we've sung about it all our lives. Amen? One house is built on what? Sand. That's not a good way to build a house. The only worst way to build a house is to build a house on Georgia red clay. I slipped on Georgia red clay in August and had to keep my ankle up for quite a couple weeks. When that rain is out there, it doesn't look slippery, but if you step on it, you're done. But another builder built on rock, the rock. The rock of God's word, the rock of Jesus' teachings. And that house, even though the same rain and the same storm came against that house, it stood still. But Jesus ends not with a house that stands still. He ends the Sermon on the Mount with the house that fell flat. What kind of house do we have? Now, I've been peeking these past few months. I've been tuning in to our live stream here at the cathedral. And I've been hearing the kind of teaching 
that's been going on here, and it is superb. I have to send emails practically every week because the teaching that you are hearing is God's Word. And it's easy to get. And sometimes you can kind of scribble it in your bulletin, too, if you have your pen and stuff like that, if you come prepared. But the issue today is, is the person who builds his house on a rock that will stand the storms, that will, stand the, that will withstand the wind, are those who put into practice what we're hearing. Amen? Not just that we've heard good stuff, that we know that we're, we're paying the dean sufficiently because he's coming up with this stuff uh, through prayer and study all week long, and we're just really happy to hear that he's doing a good job, although he's really doing a good job. It's those who put the word into practice. Amen. And who are not hypocrites. It is the hypocrites that Amos speaks against today. Amos says, take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like water. And righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Praise the Lord. Amen. I don't know if you've ever if you've ever looked at molten chocolate kind of just streaming down. The way the light catches it, it almost looks like water, does it not? Well, we won't dwell on that molten chocolate today. That is the justice, the justice, the good works, the righteousness that we're to show forth if we've heard the word and applied it to our lives. And those are the folks who have trimmed their lamps and have extra oil besides. Those are the folks who know that the bridegroom has delayed but have been preparing, have been preparing in this time in this in-between time while he's not here so that when he comes, they will be ready to greet him. Amen? And it doesn't matter whether he delays and, and we're long gone because we will greet him nevertheless if we are prepared. And so the Lord, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, gives us those four warnings. Be prepared. Choose the narrow way. Bear the fruit that befits a repentant and humble life. Show forth the good works that I am calling you to do. Obey the will of the Father.
Let others see justice. Let others see me through you. And those are the people that will be ready to meet the bridegroom. There are people this day in the temple that are not ready to meet the bridegroom. Oh, they love the great feast. They go up to the temple. They sing the praises. They participate in the ritual. But there's no righteousness in their lives. Don't be caught unprepared. The day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. It's near. Now, in the Celtic church, they had a longer Advent season. And the day for the beginning of that season comes upon us this week. It comes upon us in the feast. And, oh, there I am again, feasting again. Praise the Lord. It's another reason to get out more chocolate and celebrate the life of St. Martin. Because on St. Martin's Day begins a fast until Christmas time. Maybe we should consider that. Maybe we should consider a time of trying to see how we can better serve the Lord through righteousness than go through the normal activities of our daily life. Who was St. Martin? St. Martin was a young man who loved the Lord Jesus and became a catechumen. His father, however, would not allow him to be baptized because he knew that if he became a Christian, that um, it was not Christian tradition to participate in the military back in those days. Participate in the military, you had to, you had to perform rituals to other gods and things like that. So once someone became a Christian, they were not able to participate in the military anymore. So Martin was delayed in becoming a Christian. But one day, outside uh, the gates of the city, he saw a very poor person who had nothing. And it was cold. And it was snowing. And it was not a good day. And so Martin took his sword and cut his tunic in half and gave half to the poor fellow there by the gate. That night, Martin had a dream. In the dream, he saw Jesus, and Jesus spoke to the angels. And Jesus said, Behold, here is Martin, a Roman soldier, who has clothed me with his garment. Because Jesus had that half of garment on himself in that dream. Martin felt that this was a call to serve the Lord. And so he immediately tried to get out of being a soldier, and he finally did, and 
was baptized shortly thereafter and became a preacher and a priest and a bishop in the church. And he became an example for the Christians in northern Gaul and England of the type of person that we need, a person who not only hears the word, but does the word that puts into practice what they know the Lord would have them do, that stops the car or stops the program or rushes up to the person maintaining social distance, of course, of course, to bless them with righteousness. Amen. And it's those people who will be ready when the bridegroom comes. It is those people who through works of righteousness that God has prepared for you to do, who have answered the call tomorrow or this week, they and we will be ready when the call comes at midnight. The call, come. The bridegroom is here. May we all be prepared for when the bridegroom comes. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.